God is always good. My daughter, Chloe, had the opportunity of a rising sixth grader here at St. Margaret Mary and, and with several other children from St. Margaret Mary and around the diocese, had the privilege of me being at camp at San Pedro this past week. And uh, one of the things they did amongst the many wonderful activities that were made available to them was to attend mass a couple of times while they were out there. And Chloe, something that really stuck with her was during that mass for the children, she told me it was a little different than mass at church, Dad, because um, Father would ask us to respond to something he said as loud as we could. So Father would tell the children, God is good, and the children would respond as loud as they could. God is always good. And as loud as I might be, that's not nearly as loud as Chloe did it when she was um, <laughs> telling me that story. But but I loved it, the out of the mouth of babes, amen? This is a, what a beautiful thing for our children to see that God is always good. A simple enough statement, but you know, we as adults can see how complicated it can be sometimes in life to truly remember that God is indeed always good, regardless of what's going on in our life, regardless of loss we might feel or challenges that might present themselves. God is always good. He has the better good in mind for us, and he has a plan for us always. And you know, all the way back to Leviticus here in the first reading this morning, uh, we see the Israelites struggled with the very same thing. Here they were prisoners, slaves in the land of Egypt, and God through a servant Moses brought them out, uh, freed them from, from years and years and years, generations and generations of bondage in Egypt. And of course, at that point, they were celebrating God. They were praising him, singing songs, um, worshiping him, great, grateful to be his followers. Uh, but it didn't take long. Once they got outside the gates of Egypt, as early as the shores of the Red Sea, uh, the, the people were like, why would God lead us here so that we can die on the shores of the Red Sea when they saw Pharaoh's army coming? God led them through the Red Sea about halfway through when they thought they might not make it. Why did God leave us, lead us out to the middle of the ocean so we can drown? We could have just died in Egypt. And then we see the, the account that we read today where, where they're grumbling because they're lacking something to eat. And that's certainly a true concern. We see God addressed their needs though. He, he addressed their immediate human recurring needs and he gave them food from heaven, didn't he? But he wanted them to understand more about him than that. This was sort of the first step of God uh, showing him what he was going to do for them as his people, who he was to them. He would sustain them and help them, but there was so much more than that. As humans, sometimes that's what we obsess with and worry about, and that's what we see. What, what, what do I need? How can God address my needs right now? How can he fix this thing that I need fixed? And God wanted them to understand that there was a greater food from heaven. Even the manna that fell from heaven to, to uh, nourish his people symbolized something more, and it symbolized something greater that would come. And yes, indeed, we see in the gospel here, we see the real bread from heaven. We see the bread from heaven, the bread that means eternal life, Jesus Christ himself. And here he's running into the same issues with his followers. He wants them to look a little bit deeper. He, he's dealing with the same group of people that a couple weeks ago we saw were, were fed by the, by the multiplication of the, the fish and the loaves, a beautiful miracle. And they liked it. They liked what they saw with Jesus. Jesus was a hero. Yay, Jesus. You're feeding us. You're healing our sick. You're doing all these great things. We like what you've got going on. 
But when Jesus tries to take it a step further and, and tries to become truly a prophet to them, they sort of push back and resist. Some even doubt him. But, but yet he does see these people come back to hear more. But Jesus sort of calls them on, on, on the simplicity of what they're trying to accomplish and says, you know, you appreciate that I, that I fed you here a few days ago and you want more, but I have more to give. Jesus had something greater in mind. God always wants to call us into relationship with him. He wants us to love him, to understand him, and we'll never on this earth totally grasp God, but he wants us to keep moving forward and making progress in that department. And that's what Jesus wanted for these folks here. He wanted them to understand that there was more than their daily needs being covered here. God had a great plan. God had the answer to all of their problems if they would open themselves up to it and allow that to take place, allow that learning to take place, allow God to come into their heart. How beautiful, how beautiful the things he has in store for us. It made me, I was talking to my wife about this homily um, yesterday afternoon before I preached for the first time last night. And on a personal level, and this is certainly no issue like many of our brothers and sisters have faced or like we will no doubt in our family face in the future. But at the time, it was a very big issue for us. Uh, and, and we sort of saw ourselves in these stories because we, you know, about four and a half, almost five years ago, I moved on from my former profession of about 17 years. And it was a scary, unsure time for my family. And um, obviously, you know, you, you want to find that next professional path for many, many reasons. And I also felt like a, an extreme urge to work for the church. And I had no idea what that looked like, but I, I knew I wanted to. I wanted to do anything I could. And I, I, I kept reaching out and trying for things, some things that I had no business trying for. Um, and, there, and it was just never a fit. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And, um, and, and our friends prayed for us. The St. Margaret Mary community prayed for us. The diaconate community prayed for us, and, and boy, nothing was happening. And you start to feel sorry for yourself. It's like, why, why me, God? Don't, don't you want me to work for you? Don't, you know, why won't you answer my prayers? You know, what do I have to do? All these woe is me things. And, and um, <laughs> as it turns out, about a year ago, my prayer was answered in the most magnificent way, in a way that I, I never could have seen coming, and in a way that continues to open doors of grace to my family, uh, to, to be able to work with and serve the faithful in the Diocese of Orlando and to indeed work for the church in a way that I, like I said, I never saw coming and what a beautiful thing. Now I realize God wasn't answering my prayers when I wanted him to, <laughs> but he had something else in store that I couldn't have seen at that point in time. And it, it was a good learning lesson for, for us to remember. And like I say, the, the example I'm giving is not you know nearly as as tough as some of the things that other people might be facing with the loss of a loved one or sickness in the family um, or, or job security or just whatever the case might be, all the things that present themselves to us as challenges and make us wonder where God is in it. Why isn't God answering our prayers? Why isn't he doing it in our time? God's time is always perfect, brothers and sisters, and he always has a magnificent plan for us. And we need that plan now more than ever. In the, in the world out there, there is so much strife, there's so much enmity, people are arguing, they're having trouble getting along on just about anything. When we come into this church, we want to be the bread of life to one another. We want to experience the bread of life. We want to love one another. And there are three beautiful ways that we can do that. 
One, of course, is receiving the Eucharist, the real body of Christ into the body and blood of Christ into our bodies, which we will do here again. What a beautiful privilege. Another is to break open the word and discuss it, just like we're doing right now, and to hear the word proclaimed like we, like we heard before the gospel here, and to consider it in company, in the presence of the Holy Spirit as family, community. And another way is simply to be the bread of life to one another. We are Christ to one another. After we do these first two things, we, we're empowered to be that to our brothers and sisters. And don't we need it so much? Don't we need the love? Don't we need the, the bread of life that Jesus gives us and that we become in our lives in such a special way right now? Let's be that to one another. Let's love one another. Then let's take all of that love that we're feeling when we come into this community and share it with those outside the doors here who need it so, so desperately. This world needs bread from heaven, not just daily supply. It needs bread from heaven, the heaven that gives life, the, 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 the bread that gives peace, the bread that gives true, real answers, true, real security. This is what we all crave, and we know the secret. We have it. We get to be it. So let's be it to one another and to the community outside. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And God is good all the time. Amen.